When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello. Hello. Michelle, Michelle Knutzen. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I think I'm going to just mention your last name maybe once or twice during the show. Okay. Um, so, that, I mean, I got it right the first time. Yes. Okay. It's an incredible honor to have you on our uh, interview today. Um, so before we start, I should mention that my name is Mel Rosenberg, and I am the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. And you are our incredible Reverend, 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 highly prized. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> author of about 50 children's books mm-hmm. with um, more honors, citations, uh, that you could line a, a room with. <laughs> and, uh, and you are one of my favorite children's authors in the world. Thank um, you. So I'm like incredibly honored. And, and even though um, I brought you here ostensibly to talk about your uh, new book on Nellie Bly, uh, we will be talking uh, about your wonderful picture books because I can't, I can't help it. <laughs> and, and, totally. and about... You're just going to have to live with that today. That's, you know. Okay. <laughs> so, so tell, tell us about uh, Nellie Bly. Uh, it's, it's an incredible uh, um, story. I mean, the story behind the story, Chelsea, and uh, the whole, tell us. Okay. Um, so, yes. So, my newest book is this one, She Persisted, Nellie Bly. And it's part of the She Persisted biography, chapter book biography series. And it started... Um, because Chelsea Clinton wrote this book, She Persisted, uh, 13 American Women Who Changed the World. And it's a, it's a wonderful picture book um, about these 13 amazing American women. But each in this book, it's a picture book, right? So each woman only got like a paragraph. Um, and Chelsea Clinton and the publisher realized readers would probably like to know a lot more about these women, about their lives, about what they did. Um, so they started this biography series and they reached out 
to different authors that they thought would be the right match for each woman in the book. Uh, so I was so excited that they asked me to write about Nellie Bly, um, who I had known a little bit about, actually from a, a friend of mine, uh, Matt Phelan wrote a graphic novel called Around the World, um, which talks about three famous around the world journeys, including Nellie Bly. So I knew that part of her life, but I didn't, I didn't know anything about sort of the rest of her story. One, one second. So you're sitting in your lounge, yeah. in your comfy <laughs> chair, yes. watching the news and Hi, it's Chelsea on the line. <laughs> it wasn't Chelsea. It was my agent. <laughs> um, indirectly from Chelsea. But she had, you know, she had been part of that decision. And uh, it's, um, I got, I mean, I got to meet her on Zoom, of course, because of COVID, we couldn't do any live events. We, were, we had all these live events planned. Everybody who wrote one of the books was going to get to meet her. And that didn't happen. Um, but I did get to meet her virtually. And we did some wonderful panels with some of the other women. Um, it was an amazing, I was so honored to be one of the, I mean, the lineup of authors just included these incredible, incredible women authors. Um, and now I, they're- I, I, I think that they were lucky to have you. Well, thank you. Um, I was in very good, very, very good company. And, uh, and it's a great, it's a wonderful series. They're continuing it with more, because of course, there's an infinite number of amazing American women they can write about. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I've never written a biography before. So that was a new, a very. Yeah, it's, it's such a, like, I'm thinking, you know, Marilyn's monster library lion and this. Yeah, very different. It, it's quite a departure. How, how was it for you? Like, it, did you really get into this or did you say, oh, Chelsea Clinton? Um, wow. I better, I, <laughs> I better do this, right? Um, it was kind of all of those things. Like it, it was an amazing opportunity. Um, and it's always fun to have a new challenge, you know? So uh, I thought it would be fun to, I mean, it's chapter books are really short, right? It was also, this was a, I, you know, I've written a lot of different formats. I've written like board books and picture books and middle grade novels and young adult novels and early readers, but no early chapter books. So now I've filled in that hole, um, but you know, they're, they're pretty short. And so it was such a challenge to kind of learn all about this woman's incredible whole life and then have to, it was hard, I mean, to choose what to include and then to write it in such a way that young readers would be able to um, follow it and understand it and, and enjoy it. Um, I mean, that's one of the fun things about writing for children is to sort of taking big ideas um, and making them accessible and, uh, and fun. But Michelle, here's the case, you know, sometimes we write about people and there's not much of a written record about what they wrote. But Nellie wrote a ton yes. of newspaper <laughs> articles, literally a ton, and they're accessible. So how many months did it take you to read her own writing? Not, well, not, not to mention other people's biographies. I didn't, I didn't have all that much time. It was a very uh, short window. So I, I worked really hard and really long hours. Um, I've read some really wonderful uh, adult biographies about her. Um, but the best part was reading her own writing because that, that felt like, you know, obviously I can't interview her. She died a long time ago, but um, hearing her voice in her newspaper writing and in the book she wrote um, was sort of the closest I could get to getting to know her. Uh, and it was just, it was just really wonderful to have that perspective. She, she stopped at nothing to, to be an investigative journalist. Yes. She was uh, around the world in 72 days. 
uh, pretending to be a Michigan in an ins insane asylum. Mm -hmm. What did that, that tell, tell you about her? Um, she was described in a, in a newspaper article about her. She was described as audacious, which I think is the perfect word for her. Um, from an early age, she just, she really didn't like the word no. And if someone told her she couldn't do something, she was determined to prove them wrong over and over again. And she really, uh, there's a famous quote by her about energy rightly applied and directed can accomplish anything. And that's really how she lived her life. Like she just, if she thought she wanted to do something, nothing could stand in her way. And it's, and at the time, uh, you know, it was difficult for a woman to have a job at all. It was difficult for a woman to succeed as a newspaper reporter. Um, and she just broke through all these barriers and, and really helped pave the way for women who came after her. Absolutely. Um, how much of Nellie Bly is there in you, Michelle? Oh, I don't know. I mean, hopefully a little. <laughs> Um, hopefully a little, I don't like the word no either. Um, so, and I find her very inspiring. So, um, I would, I would like to believe there's a little Nellie Bly in me. Mm -hmm. So, so your agent who is? Jody Reamer at Writer's House. Oh, wonderful. Um, she didn't just pick up the phone to you. She, she must've known that this was something that was you know, right up your alley. Oh, well, they contacted, so Chelsea Clinton and the publisher, which is uh, Philomel, uh, contacted Jody to ask her if I would be interested. And then Jody called me. Um, and I was like, yes. <laughs> you know. Um, and then I called her back in a panic and I was like, this is a big deal. I don't have a lot of time to do it. And she's like, it's okay. You can do it. And I was like, okay, I can do it. And then I did. I need uh, a monster. I need a monster. Where's my monster? So, yeah, it's very different. I couldn't, I couldn't insert any of the normal things I like to write about, you know, uh, fantasy and dragons and monsters and lions, mm -hmm. none of those. Uh, okay, so uh, let's go back now to uh, Michelle, the uh, person. Okay. And uh, so we can segue into Michelle, the writer. Um, what were you like as a five-year-old? Oh, um, gosh, that was a long time ago to try to remember. I like to climb trees a lot. Um, there, are, there are terrifying photographs of me at the Grand Canyon with my parents, like climbing trees near the edge of the canyon. I, I didn't have a lot of fear as a child. Um, I liked horseback riding. I liked climbing trees. Uh, I rode my bike everywhere. Um, and I wasn't actually much of a reader yet. I mean, five is pretty young for reading, but I didn't, I didn't really become like in love with books until I was a little bit older. Where, so where, where did you grow up and uh, what were your parents like? Like, did they have a, um, a life insurance policy on you or something? <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> I should ask them. Yeah. Um, I, I will, I will. <laughs> I grew up in Staten Island, which is a borough of New York City. And uh, it was a great place to grow up. Some of my best friends are still my friends I had growing up. And um, my parents were big readers, are big readers. Um, uh, my dad was a big science fiction reader. So he would have a lot of, uh, he read science fiction magazines like Analog and Asimov's and those would always be around the house. Um, and I was fascinated because the covers would have like <laughs> spaceships and like space stations. And it was very interesting to me. And then my mom read a lot of fantasy novels. So there'd be like unicorns and centaurs on the cover. And before I was old enough to read those books she would tell me about the plots, you know cause they were, I mean, giant books to me at the time. 
Uh, and so she would tell me the stories that she was reading and I couldn't wait until I was, you know, big enough to read a book that was like, you know, 400 pages or whatever it was. So hold on, hold on. They didn't read to you like when you were a four-year-old? Oh, uh, they did. They didn't read those things to me. I mean, my dad used to no. read Alice in Wonderland to me a lot, um, which was one of my favorites. And I always got a book at bedtime. And, uh, but I think Al I kept asking for Alice in Wonderland. He did a really good rendition of the turtles. There's a beautiful soup passage the, in there. The, the, the mock turtle soup. Yeah. And I, I loved how he did that. So I would ask for that <laughs> a lot. He probably got tired of it. I'm crazy about Lewis Carroll. Hmm. Um, well, we, we won't talk too much about Lewis Carroll. So I, other than, um, I, I have this vision that you liked uh, Madeline. I did. I did like Madeline, although it, uh, th that book wasn't like a big, a big book for me. Uh, my favorite picture book as a child was Mog the Forgetful Cat, um, which I, I don't, we had cats and I loved cats and I, I would read that book over and over again. And also The Grouchy Ladybug by Eric Carl um, was one of those ones that I came back to and back to again and again. Um, I don't think I really appreciated Madeline until I was a little bit older. I don't know why. That's okay. I can be wrong, you know. <laughs> on that one thing. Oh, no, we just started and I'm wrong already. <laughs> okay, so so when did you start? Um, I know that you're, you were once um, in an interview stated that your first uh, children's book that you wrote was about a Mickey Mouse and a broken lamp. Yes, that was, uh, that was around, that was actually around age five. Um, I like to tell stories from an early age. And uh, yeah, big copyright infringement. I just wrote about <laughs> Mickey Mouse without permission from Disney um, and illustrated it myself, which I, which I don't do now because <laughs> for many reasons. Um, and basically it was a, uh, Mickey Mouse, you know, broke his lamp, got it fixed. That was the end of the story. It was, uh, it was, it was, it needed, it needed some work. Uh, I can say now looking back. <laughs> needed maybe more of an more of an arc more of a story arc right <laughs> okay but for a five-year-old okay yeah, and, 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 yeah and then don't be hard on yourself and then what <laughs> and then what happened um so then as I got older I uh I started writing poems my parent my family took a bunch of cross-country trips in the car um and there would be a lot of time in the back seat you know but I didn't have siblings so it was just me in the back seat with the suitcases and uh, I had a notebook and I would write poems. Um, and when I, in elementary school, I used to write plays. So I would, I would write plays and I would make my friends, I'm astounded that they did this, but I would make them perform with me in front of the class, um, the plays that I wrote, which were, which were very silly, um, but a lot of fun. And then I guess over time, I started writing more stories. I transitioned sort of from poetry into stories and, uh, and thought I would write um, adult science fan science fiction and fantasy novels because that was my that was when I really got hooked on books and I thought oh that's what I want to do you know this is going to be my job um, and then I kind of fell into children's books by accident I uh, I graduated from college with an English degree and no job of course and uh, applied to every every job I could think of that had anything to do with writing like marketing jobs and publishing jobs and there was a job opening. Uh, at Random House Children's Books for an editorial assistant. And I had taken one children's literature course in college. And I was like, look, I'm, I'm very interested in children's publishing, although I knew nothing about it. I don't know why they hired me. And, uh, 
and I thought in my head, oh, I'll just get in the door, you know, in the publishing world, and then I'll move to like Del Rey or some other like science fiction fantasy imprint. And then I loved it. I loved it. I loved children's books so much. I had a wonderful boss who taught me so much about editing and, uh, and really everything I love about fantasy um, I can do in children's books too, because anything you can think of is, is possible in a picture book, you know. Um, I do still, I write fantasy for, for older kids, for middle grade and young adult, um, but I, I sort of never looked back. You know, I, I stumbled into this children's book world and it was such a good fit. For me. Uh, so That's I've been fantastic. there ever since. <laughs> Okay, so, but you started out as an editor. Yes. Um, Fixing other people's stories, reading other people's stories. Mm -hmm. so and, I then would, what, and then what happened? Um, and then I started writing. So in, in I was in mass market children's books. Um, and a lot of those books are very short. There are, uh, there's some novelty books. There are like concept books, like counting books and alphabet books. And sometimes the editors would write those books uh, in-house rather than hiring a writer because the text was so simple. Um, so I, I sort of got to practice on the job uh, writing books for children. Um, and of course I was seeing so many books for children and editing books for children and sort of learning, you know, about, I mean, I had taken writing classes and I had written stories and stuff on my own, but um, really got this deep immersion into story structure and, uh, you know, watching uh, my boss and how she edited things and how what, how she would decide sort of about like um, what to suggest to, to help with pacing or uh, I don't know, all the things that are involved in fixing a story. So it was very educational. Okay, and then what happened? I, this is great. You just talk <laughs> and then every 90 seconds I'll say, and then what happened? <laughs> um, and then I started to write more of my own I, you know, I, I still wanted to be a writer. I mean, that was still my goal, right? So I started to write more of my own stories um, and not, not just ones sort of on the job, but I would send them out to other places. And uh, my first, the first books I wrote that way were probably board books um, and early readers like these, uh, I don't know if everybody knows, but um, like these six by nine, um, you know, for really little kids. This was one of the first ones that I sold, um, which was inspired by my cat. And uh, one second. So, advice for aspiring writers: own, uh, own, own a cat. Own a cat, absolutely. I have two. You may see them in the background somewhere <laughs> at some point. Uh, cats are essential for a successful writing career. I think that's that's true. Uh, a dog is okay too, but um, ideally uh, a cat. Now you tell me. <laughs> um. Yeah, and so then I moved away from New York City. I moved up to uh, Ithaca, New York, which is in oh. Central New York. Um, so I wasn't, I, I left my full-time editing job and was going to focus more on writing my own things. And that's when I started working on okay, my first you, you, you moved to Ithaca, where Cornell University is. Yes, I had gone uh, to Cornell as, a, as an undergrad. And, and uh, you went back to Ithaca because? Um because I, I wanted to get out of the city. I was engaged at the time and my now ex-husband wanted to get out of the city too. And uh, we kept thinking like, oh, we wanna go somewhere like Ithaca, but not Ithaca, because he was from there and we didn't wanna go back, but there's no place like Ithaca. It's a really magical, magical place. So we were like, all right, we'll go there and then we'll figure out where to go next. And then do, we stayed. Do they, do, do they still have that canyon? They do. They okay. have all the gorges and it's okay, just great. beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So we were there for about five years um 
And because we once you get there, it's really hard to leave because there's it's great. I mean, it's a double college town. There's so much culture and like there's one, one second, Michelle, I, I have to get a pun out, out of the way. I can't concentrate anymore. OK, uh, Ithaca is gorgeous. Yes. One of my professors wrote that um, that slogan for a for a marketing campaign. What did Ithaca is gorgeous? Yes. Ah, OK, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Good one. Um, yeah, so I worked, I had worked at the library as an undergraduate um, just as like work study. And I worked, I've left that out. I worked in libraries a lot as a kid. Like I loved the library. I was a library monitor in school. Um, you know, I worked as an undergrad. And then when we moved back there, I went back to the library and I was like, hey, I'm back, you know, can I get a job? And eventually I got a job as an evening and weekend supervisor, which was the perfect, perfect writing job because I could write during the day and then go in at night and be around people and books um, and I got unlimited checkouts at the library. So, you know, people would return stuff and I'd be like, oh, this is good. And I'd check it out, take it home. There were stacks <laughs> of books all around my house. Um, and I was working there when I came up with the idea for Library Lion, uh, which I think was largely inspired by just uh, Cornell University Library is, the, is like just an incredible library system. Best library I ever worked in. No offense to the other libraries <laughs> that I've worked in. Um, everybody there really cared about what they were doing. It was just, it was just a wonderful, welcoming place, which is which is the feeling um, that I tried to put into Library Lion. So I think a lot of it comes from that. What's it? Does it have? Does it have the lions in front? It does not. It does not. But so you had to import the lions from New York. <laughs> yes, I did. So Michelle, one sec. So here's the question that I'm always going to ask, and you don't have to answer it, um, but you could. Um, okay. Do you remember a specific moment where you had this genius spark of invention of the lion just walking into the library? I do, actually. I don't always for my books, but this one I remember. So, um, so sometimes I would work till two o'clock in the morning because the library was open very late because Cornell students study a lot. So the library would close at two and then we'd like close up the library and I'd come home and it was about 2.30 in the morning. And I had wanted I had wanted to write a book about the library. I'd kind of been thinking about it. Um, but I was actually thinking about a scary story <laughs> because sometimes we'd walk around the library at night during closing and it was creepy. There were like dark hallways. You know, some of the building was very old. And um, I kept thinking about trying to write a scary story, but it didn't fit. Like I loved the library so much. It wasn't a scary place to me. So that was sort of in the back of my head. And there was this night I got home you know, it was really late, but I was, you know, I was still awake from work and I, I just sat down at my dining room table and the first line of the story just popped into my, into my head. One day a lion came to the library and I was like, oh, that's a good first line for a story. And uh, I started just writing. I, I still have the first draft. It's on the back of an envelope and like some purple notepaper that I just had nearby, like, cause I was so afraid I would lose it. I just started writing it out. And I got like a very rough first draft that first night until I was too tired. And then the next day I worked on it some more and worked on it some more um, and then finally sent it to, and I had been wanting to write um, like a nice, you know, like a, like a real picture book, you know, like with a jacket and like, a, you know, one of the beautiful books that I had so admired. Um, and so I sent it to my agent and I was like, I think this, may, this maybe could be a picture book. Uh, and she, and it was so long. I didn't know what I was doing. It was way too long. It's still very, very long for a picture book, but uh, it was even longer <laughs> when I first wrote it. 
Um, but then Jody really liked it and she uh, sold it to Sarah Ketrasid at Candlewick Press, um, who I who I had wanted. She had, this is probably way too much information, but she had really wanted a goldfish story. And I had written some terrible, terrible goldfish stories that we never went to Sarah. They were terrible. Well, one day a goldfish walked into the library. It doesn't work. You know, it no. just, <laughs> it doesn't work. So, so Jody likes to joke that like, this was my goldfish story. <laughs> She's like, Sarah, you wanted a goldfish story. <laughs> what about a lion? I don't What's know. That, but, well, hold on. But like, you were like really young. I was, I was, it was, <laughs> it was a long time ago. So, and okay, so this is not your first book, but this is like your first, bah, your yes. first humongous masterpiece, <laughs> bestseller translated into 500 languages book. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was actually my 38th book because I had done, I had done so many like board books and coloring books and early readers, which I'm also proud of, yeah. but this was sort of a different, this had always been a dream to write this kind of book. Um, and then it helped that uh, Kevin Hawks was uh, agreed to be the illustrator. So of course the illustrations were just amazing. And it's funny because they, they sent me some samples and they were like, you know, we're, we're considering, considering, considering asking Kevin Hawks if he wants to do this book. Um, and all the samples they sent me were a very different style. It was like his Westlandia style. It was very kind of, I'm terrible at talking about art, but I, I think of it as very painty, very saturated, like deep colors. And I was like, oh, this is beautiful. That would be lovely. And so Kevin accepted and he's like, but I'm going to use a completely new style. And we were like, okay. And we had no idea what the art was going to look like until he sent the sketches. And then of course we loved it, but there was like this waiting period of like, I don't know what it's going to look like. It's beautiful. So one of the things, especially in America, uh, here in Israel, they want us to be uh, more in touch with the illustrator. But ah. in, Amer in America, you know, you rarely see any of the illustrations until it's too late. Yeah. Um, you know, you spent your whole life trying to break in and you do, and then you have no idea who your partner is. Yeah, they keep us very separate. Um, my, I, I teach writing for young people uh, at Leslie University's MFA program. And this is like a thing my students have a lot of trouble with because they, they write lots of art notes and their manuscripts. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> you don't get to tell the illustrator what to do. Like that's, it's not your job. You have to like write the story and just then hand it over and let it go. And it's, it's really hard. It's gotten easier for me, but it's still, you know, you have this idea in your head of what the pictures will look like. Um, but what I've realized is that the, I mean, the illustrators are so, they're so good at what they do. They come up with things I would never have thought of if they actually drew what I wanted them to draw, it would be terrible. <laughs> you know, like I need to move out of the way and let them do their work, but it is weird. Like I don't, uh, Marilyn's monster was illustrated by my friend, Matt, Matt Phelan. And so he, he was the only illustrator that I knew ahead of time. Um, and even then we were very careful not like he would tease me. We were at a book festival and he's like, I've got sketches. You can't see them, <laughs> you know? Um, Cause I didn't want to mess with his process. Like I loved his work. I didn't want to stick my nose in it, you know, and mess it up. So it's, it's, it's a weird collaboration where we're operating so separately, but I do get to see the sketches at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but even then I don't talk to the illustrator but, directly. Yeah, but, but that's because you are, you are famous and the, uh so successful. But I, I think that most authors probably don't get to see much of the artwork. Not, uh, I guess not early, early in your career, maybe not, maybe not. And I, I don't know because um, 
I have a book coming out next year, and I'm also trying to shy away from seeing what the illustrator is doing, uh, even though I'm dying to see it. Right. <laughs> so yeah. you have to just let go. Just trust them to take care of the story. And then they, 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 they. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so um, Library Lion, mm-hmm. um, you, you are a girl who um, doesn't necessarily do what you're told. Yes. Um, you know, we were told <laughs> not, not, not to write picture books over 500 words. Um, and like you buried that in Library Lion. And, uh, and so what? And uh, we're taught not to scare kids. And Library Lion is a potentially scary book. I'm not, I'm not going to even talk about Marilyn Monsters for the next, <laughs> for the next three minutes. Uh, and I know you write scary books for older kids, but um, like you, you're you're a no no lady. I'm a, I'm a what? A no a no no lady. I mean yes, uh, yes, that's accurate. You, you just um, said yes. You just agreed with me. You're supposed <laughs> to say oh, oh no 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 no. Um, yeah, I I can't explain it. It's not willful. <laughs> I don't set out <laughs> to like just defy all the picture book rules. I've, my editor likes to describe picture books in two different categories. Um, she talks about there's like traditional picture books, which are very short and the art and the text uh, are sort of equal and you can't take one away and still have a complete thing. And then uh, there's picture storybooks, which is more what I write, where the story, you could just read the story and know what's going on. You don't necessarily have to see the art, although the art brings so much to it. Um, and that's sort of our excuse for why my picture books are so, are so long. They're, they're all long, they're all, I think the, I think maybe Argus is under a thousand words, but I'm not even sure, I'm not even sure. The rest of them are all, I have a new one coming out. Um, actually, I, I, should I not talk about that yet? Should no, I? you should, you should, but I just, I just want to, um, to uh, divulge that this morning Israel time, I said, okay, I'm going to take a Marilyn's monster and type it out. Let's just see what the word count is. Uh, and, and I got halfway through, it was 500. So I'm guessing it's over 1,000, uh, which is what way beyond what we teach our, uh, our, our writers. Yes. Um, and if you want to divulge now your next book, that's fine. I love um, when, when authors spill the beans. <laughs> well, just, I would, it's just another really long one. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's 1,300 words. Um, and, but it's also being illustrated by Kevin Hawk. So I'm very, very oh, excited. Wow. Uh, Yes. And I haven't, I haven't, I've seen just like one little, one little early sketch. That's all I've seen. So, um, and do you want to tell my avid readers and the listeners and watchers what it's about? Sure. Um, so it's about a, a big, uh, a big furry spider who is mistaken for a kitten and gets adopted, um, by this woman. And, uh, and then he's very confused uh, but then he starts to enjoy this life that he has as a kitten being taken care of and um, and forms this bond with her. And then he's terrified that she's going to find out. Um, she's like, it, it starts, uh, she just feels him under the couch. She's like, oh, what's this? It feels like a kitten. And she pulls him out and it's this giant, enormous spider. And, she, uh, and then she just adopts him. And then her friends are coming over and he's terrified that they're going to be like, that's not a kitten. That's a giant spider. And then she's going to make him leave. So, um, so it's very, it's, a, I'm really, I'm really excited about this story. Cause I, it's gone through so many transformations and it was originally just kind of a silly story about a woman who lost her glasses <laughs> and, uh, 
and, and finds this spider and all the neighborhood kids are like, that's not a kitten, you know? Um, and now it's from the spider's point of view and it's, the, it's much more emotional. <laughs> the stories we write are like startups. They, they keep pivoting. Yes. They start out one thing and it's a spider and then it turns into a giraffe. Um, what is the average number of revisions that you do on the short ones? Oh, uh, short ones, relatively speaking, your yeah, short ones. My short ones. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Library Lion didn't have that many because that that book was just sort of like this gift that came. It was mostly there from the beginning, and then it was just sort of little tweaks. Uh, Big Mean Mike went through a lot. I mean, at least 10, probably more. Argus went through a lot. Um, I rewrote the second half of that book uh, at least 20 times. Um, I have some picture books I'm still working on that have had more than 20 revisions. I still haven't figured it out. Um, yeah, some of them take a, take a long, long time <laughs> to come together. But they just, you know, you have to wait until all the pieces are in place. Sometimes it's just not the right time for that story. I don't know. That's what I tell myself anyway. No, I, I think you shouldn't be hard on yourself because um, sometimes you need 50 revisions, 70. Yeah. But, you know, as long as you're working on it, right? Yes. I think that sometimes when you, when you sell the manuscript is the time when you have a bit of a difficulty. What, that's it? I'm not going to revise it anymore? <laughs> Oh, I still, I keep, they have to take them away from me eventually. Like, I'm, still, <laughs> I'm like, wait, oh. wait, I want to fix this part. And they're like, no, you're done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I rest my case. Yeah. So, so let's talk now uh, while I have you on the air. Hmm. Uh, let's talk about Marilyn's Monster, which okay. is an another one of my favorites. Thank you. It's also a no-no book. Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> So tell us about Marilyn's Monster and how it came to life. So Marilyn's Monster uh, was another one where it just, the idea just sort of surprised me. Um, I was actually at a, at a writing retreat, listening to an illustrator give a, give a talk about something completely unrelated. Um, and this idea, so in the story, uh, all the kids start getting monsters. They start appearing and, uh, and your monster has to choose you. You can't just like go and get a monster, right? Your monster just shows up and it's like, you, you're my kid. Um, and Marilyn's monster doesn't show up and doesn't show up. And eventually she's the only one. And everyone's like, well, you just have to wait, you know, until your monster finds you. And finally she's like, no, I'm going to go out and look for him. Um, I'm going to climb that tree. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, tree climbing. I didn't even think about that, but maybe that's from my, that's from my childhood. <laughs> um, and so I just, this idea just sort of came to me and I felt so bad. I'm like listening to this lecture, but I'm like scribbling in my notebook, you know, trying to get the story <laughs> down before it, before it vanishes. Um, and that one with most of the story was there in that first draft, which doesn't always, which doesn't always happen. Um, and that was, that was the one so that Matt illustrated and I, and normally, you know, uh, at least here, we don't, we don't get to choose our illustrators. You know, I can, I can make a suggestion, but the publisher doesn't have to listen to me. Um, so I wrote, I wrote to Matt and I was like, I think, cause we had wanted to do a book together. And I was like, I think this might be the book. And he read it and he liked it. And so, um, and then I sent it in to my editor and I was like, you know, who might be a good choice for this book, Matt Phelan. Um, and we thought we were being all sneaky and it turned out later, they, they knew all along what we were up to, but they, they love him there. And, uh, it was such a perfect fit. Um, 
that it made it made sense. So. Okay, but I, I must say that given your um, spectacular success on Library Lion, um, you know, I think that you're allowed to venture opinions. <laughs> Thanks, um, but and here, here's another thing, okay? Uh, Library Lion has a little bit of scariness. Uh, it still was a huge international bestseller award winner and so on. Um, so it kind of goes against the grain. And Marilyn's Monster is this kind of a scary book with the illustrations. I mean, they are monsters. Yeah. They're nice, They're nice monsters for the most part. But yeah, some of them are very big and weird. <laughs> no, the, the, the illustrations uh, are, are, are monstrous. I mean, yeah. in, a good, in, a good, in a good way, right? Yeah. Well, I guess not- I like I like the idea that something that might I mean my I guess my new book too it's something that could be very scary. I'm terrified of spiders. It's it's very weird that I wrote this book, but uh, I like that idea that something that's scary could also be lovable or um, comforting. I mean, I like that something can be many things. But Michelle, you just I try and bring authors to to admit this, and you just admitted it. You see, and I didn't even ask you. We write to our fears, to our phobias, oh. to our insecurities. Yeah, no, that's true. I think we write, we, we think we're writing about what we love and what we, what we think is wonderful. And then underneath are all the things we're scared of, all our, our, deepest, our deepest fears and disappointments. And that's what, you know, that's what makes the book substantial, right? Like the- For sure. Stuff I, underneath. And- and Marilyn's monster, it, it works because, well, you know, it reminds me of things. Uh, Oyve, I'm going to tell you my opinion, and uh, you know, you're famous, okay. and I'm a nobody. But it's like, <laughs> it's like things like, um, like puberty, isn't it? I mean, it's not about that, but I have heard that interpretation before. You know, um, I've heard a lot of interpretations. <laughs> One of my friends, I was I was single at the time that I wrote it, and one of my friends thought it was about looking for a you know looking for a partner you know um, where you can't eventually you don't want to just wait you have to go out and find you know what you want. I mean I love that people have different interpretations of it. My my, my mentor uh, um, Harold Underdown is going to say that that's a perfect book that has reader response and uh, where people can read in. Uh, their own uh, monsters yeah you know like uh, um my voice changed when i was like very you know, all the kids in class their voices had changed and they had whiskers and poor little melvin still talked like this <laughs> he was about 16 when is my voice gonna change um and it, so i think that that's one of the wonderful things about your writing and about marilyn's monster is that we can all you know we can all bring our puberties and our ghosts and our monsters into your story oh thank you i mean that i love that idea i mean that that i think that is like ideally what a book should achieve you know like the writer does what they what they're going to do and then the reader completes completes the picture and makes it their own in whatever way is meaningful to them yeah and the other thing i teach my my university students that you have to not only identify your monsters but you have to recruit them and oh. and this and this the, your, your book is about recruitment. Yes. And it's 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 wonderful. I, I mean like um I I I'm tickled pink to uh to be interviewing you. Um I know that you can't see my pinkness. 
but I believe you. But trust me, it's there. Um, <laughs> is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should? Oh, um, I don't know. Um, no, I know. Okay. Do you do you know? No. Okay. No. So what? You you've had this stellar success. Um, to what do you attribute to it to? And what is your advice for the young and old people trying to break in in such a very difficult business as picture book writing? Um, well, I think a lot of my success uh, is about luck, which I don't, which I don't say to be self-deprecating. I feel like that's a I feel like that's a big part of this business is you can write a wonderful story, but if you don't get it to the right person at the right time, uh, you know, things don't like, I, I, I'm very proud of Library Lion. It's a story that means a lot to me and uh, it means a lot to a lot of people, which makes me so happy. But I was also very lucky that it got this wonderful illustrator, um, that it got this wonderful editor, that Candlewick made it their lead book of the, of the season. So it got a lot of attention that maybe it wouldn't have gotten if I had, if I had written it a year earlier or a year later. Like sometimes uh, there's things we can't control. And so sometimes the timing has a lot to do with that. So uh, let, let's, say, let's say that that's a given. Library Lion, okay. with all of the luck and the, and the chance and whatever, but still, it, it came out, it was a smash hit. It's been translated into a zillion languages. You won a, an incredible amount of awards for it. It's a terrific book. It's, it's a musical it's, in Israel. Yeah, and <laughs> it is. And um, so, yeah, you need luck. But, but luck is, a, is, of course, a given. Beyond the luck, what okay. do you need? Um, perseverance, like Nellie Bly. Um, this is definitely a business where you can't give up and you can't take the word no. You know, I mean, you have to listen to other people, right? If they, if people aren't enjoying your stories, you want to look at them and be like, okay, why aren't people enjoying my stories? But you don't give up. You don't decide, ah, I'm not a writer. You think, all right, how can I make this better? Um, I think you always, you always have to be sort of feeding, feeding your creativity, filling your well, reading all different kinds of things. That's the advice I give to young writers, especially like read, everything. Read things that are not at all your kind of book that you think you like. Read nonfiction, read poems, uh, read articles, you know, because you never know, you never know where you'll get an idea. And also uh, just all these different types of writing, different vocabulary, um, you know, all of that goes in there, right? And it's just, it's, it's, it enters your toolbox, it's in your subconscious, it's stuff you can then pull on later for your stories. Um, and just keep writing, writing and writing. And, and if you write something and it, you don't like it, write it again, you know, don't give up. Uh, those, are the, those are the basics, I think. Persistence and, and being just open to other forms of art and other forms of writing to kind of feed your soul. Okay, that's great advice. Um, do you ever get rejected these days? Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> Um, I got rejected this morning, in fact. And, uh, I'm sorry uh, to hear that. No, it's okay. It's, I, you know, I started writing some adult short stories, which was, which was one of my early loves. And so I'm just sort of feeling out that area again. So it's, it's totally fine. Um, but my picture books still get rejected. Um, you know, again, because it has to be the right book for the right editor at the right moment. And, uh, you know, I just keep working on them. I have lots of, I always have lots of projects in different stages. Um, so that if, uh, if, you know, if, so I've always got something to work on 
and I, I, it helps me feel better <laughs> when somebody doesn't want this book. I'm like, that's all right. I'm working on this book now and I'll come back to that book and send it mm -hmm. back out. Um, so I think everybody gets rejected. Oh, like this career, just that's a part of it always. Okay. In the area of picture books. Mm -hmm. Okay. You've had two wonderful successes. Thank you. Um, and it's possible that after Library Lion and um, Marilyn's Monster, that um, these these may be your legacy in picture books. Oh. It's a possibility. I I'm sure. I guess so. I mean, how, I, I don't how, know. How, how how are you with that possibility? I mean, like, like I mean, these are books that are like one in a million books. Thank you. These are, uh, I mean, that's lovely to say. And I, I mean, of course, I love the idea. I love the idea that those books, I'm pointing them, they're like on my shelf. That's why I keep doing this. Um, that that those books will have a, a resonance and go on. Although I also want to, you know, I've got hopefully still many years of writing ahead of me. Like I don't, I don't want to believe that I won't. No, write but yeah, but, but would that be okay? <laughs> but I, 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 my job is to be a little difficult. Okay. You know, I'm nice, 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 and then I'm difficult. Okay. Um, what if, what if, you know, I was a scientist for many years. I wrote over a hundred articles, but my first article is the most cited. It's the most well-known. It's the most important of my whole career. Hmm. I mean, had, had I known, I might've, you know, just bolted and gone straight <laughs> to writing, which is what I wanted to do. Um, but this happens sometimes, you know, you have such a huge stellar success and you've had it twice. Um, and I know that we all aspire. I mean, what, 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 is, what is your best book, Michelle? I mean, if I, if I had to be remembered for one book, I would pick Library Lion, definitely. Okay, okay. And what is, what is the best book? What is Michelle's best book? I, that's an impossible question to answer. I don't know. Okay, but like many authors will say, it's the book that they're working on now. Oh, not you, yet. You, you, you don't have to say that. <laughs> you don't have to say that. No, the book I'm working on now is I'm just starting a second draft. So it's too early. I couldn't, I would love to believe that, but it's too early to say. Uh, no, I think Library Lion might be my best book. Um, okay, so, so, so um, starting to close now, um, it's been already 45 minutes. Wow, so much fun. Very fast. Yeah, for me too. Um, and um, well, so I, I, I wish you that you will have even greater successes than Library Lion. Thank you. And to be frank, I wouldn't be surprised. Thank you. You're back uh, to being nice now. <laughs> it's, the end of the, it's the end of the conversation, Michelle. And, and now I have to pronounce your name again. So, you can do it. Uh, no, for some reason, your parents took a perfectly good Danish <laughs> name of Knudsen. And they chopped off the canoe. I, I assume it was my grandfather. I don't know that you can blame my parents. I don't know. It's okay. unknown who, who made that decision. Okay. So, uh, Michelle Knudsen, um, it's been wonderful interviewing you. Um, and I think that I've learned a, a little bit about your magic. And I hope that uh, my viewers and listeners have. Um, and uh, so for the uh, Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. Uh, I just want to say a giant thank you. It was wonderful to have you. Thank you for your candor and your genuine and generous spirit. And um, 
please continue to light up our lives. Oh, thank you so much. This has been lovely. This really flew by. It's been great talking to you. It was uh, marvelous talking to you. We're not, let's not get into an argument. It was nice. No, it was wonderful. <laughs> oh no, it was marvelous. I'm going to sell my house. It was so good. <laughs> it, it was, it was okay. This is sounding like the, uh, the end of the, um, the Muppet show, right? It was great. It <laughs> was so good. Thanks so much, Michelle. It's been wonderful. Thank you.